Thanks for tuning in to the weekly FBC Athens podcast. We hope you enjoy this sermon by Pastor Kyle Henderson. If you have anything else you'd like to know about our church, feel free to check out our website, lovingtheworld.com. Enjoy the message. Meeting Jesus again. That's the series that we're in. Series of stories in the Gospels telling about people that are encountering Jesus and the gap between that moment that they meet him and the, maybe the moment they're in is surprising to us because it's those first moments, those moments of faith, those moments of choice about Jesus that are so powerful and so meaningful. Several years ago, uh, my family and I were gone uh, on sabbatical and we were in Africa. And for about eight weeks, at almost every single meal, we were served mango. For breakfast, you'd have mango. It was super ripe. It wasn't like uh, the mango that you get sometimes here that's been strip-mined and injected and painted. I mean, it was fresh off the tree, fall down your you know, chin, drool into your lap, fresh mango, sweet, amazing. At lunchtime, you'd have mango, and it'd be, you know, there sometimes on a salad, sometimes cut up, and sometimes in between meals, we, we would have mango soup, and you could kind of blend it up, and sometimes it's mango juice in the morning, kind of a mango puree, and then at dinner, lots of times they didn't have much dessert, but they'd oftentimes have a beautiful mango cut up in the morning, and during the day, we'd eat mango over and over and over and over. And for about eight weeks, we ate a lot of mango. I loved mango. And then something happened, and I reached mango toxicity. I don't know if you know this is a thing, but if you eat too much mango all at the same time, then you reach your lifetime limit, and you can't eat it anymore. And it happened, we were, uh, we were climbing Kilimanjaro, we're up on the mountain, and the altitude's kind of making everybody just a little sick, kind of a, you ever eaten something when you're a little sick, and you're just like, I can't eat that much anymore, and so we're all a little nauseous, and they were like, well, you got to have a lot of fluid, if you don't have a lot of fluid, you're going to get really sick on the mountain, and you're not going to make it to the top, and then they gave us little cartons of mango juice to drink, and right about then, I was like, done, no more mango, so people now, they offer me mango, and I'll go, no, no, it's okay. And they go, no, no, it's really fresh, it's sweet, it's so juicy, how about a little mango? I was like, I can't have it anymore, I'm done. You ever had something that you love that you don't love anymore? This is what happens sometimes with people in Jesus. They, they find him, they like him, and then over time, they grow tired of him. Apparently, this is what happened in his hometown. And in Matthew chapter 13, I want to read this story about Jesus going home. I don't know if, uh, if you've ever gone away and gone back home. Uh, I, I go back home to Arlington sometimes, but to go back to my home church, and we were in a camping group, and we went to the camp that I grew up in sometimes, and, and I showed up there, and some of the sponsors that had been there when I was a kid were still there. Joe Myers was still there. Joe always played softball, and he was trying to get me. He'd been trying to get me to play softball since I was in the fourth grade to come out there. And I'm not really good at softball. The ball comes, and I don't hit it, and it just goes past me. And I was like, I just don't know. I'm not interested. And so he'd say, Kyle, I've never been able to get you out on the softball field. And I was like, yeah, you're probably never going to get me out there, Joe. It's not 
not my thing. And then a, a few things got hung on me, right, you know. I, I mean, I showed up to camp to breakfast a couple of times in a toga. I, I did. And so that, that's kind of gotten blown out, of, you know. And so when people see me there, they see me like I was when I was a kid. My brother uh, went away to college, went to Baylor. He was driving down to Austin, and he went by the little town called Kyle, or it was a little town then. And he thought that was so cool because that's my name. And if you didn't know that, I'm Kyle. And so he went into the Chamber of Commerce there, and he bought me a Kyle T-shirt. And he brought it home to give to me, and he realized that buying me a small T-shirt wasn't going to work but in his mind, I was still really small. These people had all grown up around Jesus. And Jesus comes rolling into town. Verse 53. When Jesus had finished these parables, he moved on from there. Coming to his hometown, he began teaching the people in their synagogue, and they were amazed. Where did this man get this wisdom and these miraculous powers, they asked? Isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't his mother's name Mary? And aren't his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? And aren't all of his sisters with us? Where did he get, where did this man get all these things? And they took offense at him. But Jesus said to them, only in their own towns and in their own homes are prophets without honor. And he did not do many miracles there because of their lack of faith. <laughs> Jesus comes in. Now, he's been doing a lot. We, we know that from the stories. He's been healing people, lame people walking, blind people seeing, deaf people being able to hear again, the, the poor being lifted up. He's walking on water, calming storms, doing these amazing things. He shows up. They don't throw a parade. He shows up. Everybody's there. They knew him. I mean, this little town, Nazareth, at the time that Jesus was there, probably had 150 to 200 people in it. It was a little bitty town. They've, they've done archaeological stuff. They know it was a tiny little place. You go there now, it's a big town. But back then, it was a little bitty town. I mean, Eustace is 10 times larger than it was. And you just blink as you go through Eustace, right? It's like everybody would have known him. He shows back up. This kid that had grown up there that had done so good, and it says that people were amazed. Coming to his hometown, verse 54, he began to teach the people in their synagogue, and they were amazed. Well, you look at this young man. Look how good he speaks. He can read out loud. That's amazing. He's so, oh, looks handsome. I like his robe. They were amazed when they looked at him. When they, when they heard what he taught, they were amazed. You ever been amazed at something? This is Arches National Park. How many of you been to Arches National Park? Oh, some of you, most of you. Oh, come on. You need to go there. It's incredible. This is called Delicate Arch. If you go to Arches National Park, this is the thing you hike out to see. Uh, last uh, Thursday, Jaime was showing me something he had stumbled upon, which is uh, one-star reviews of the national parks. So somebody commenting on Delicate Arch said, well, it looks like it might fall over, and it doesn't look anything like the license plate. You ever been amazed at something and someone else looks at it and just doesn't even possibly get it? How many of you have been to the Grand Canyon? 
A lot more of you have been there. How many of you went to the Grand Canyon and left after 30 minutes? It's like it's a big hole in the ground, right? I mean, this is what people say on the one-star reviews. I was bored in just a few minutes. I went to the Grand Canyon, and I just couldn't breathe. I got up early before sunrise, and I went down and just hung my legs over the edge and watched for two hours as the light came and just painted the rocks, and it, the light came up. It's incredible. You ever been amazed at something that nobody else cares anything about? How many have been to Yellowstone? This is at Yellowstone. This, this, this place is just transformative. One of the one-star reviews about this place, it says, well, it smells like sulfur, and it made us stink all day long. Maybe I'm so sorry for you. You ever been amazed by something? Another one-star review at Yellowstone. Warning, trails are not flat. The trails are more uphill than downhill. <laughs> Do you understand how crazy that is? The trails are equally uphill and downhill. It doesn't matter whether you go up first or come down first. They're, they're equal. It's just the same. The idea of seeing wildlife through binoculars is not one of the things that I enjoy. Okay. Then you don't have to see them, I guess. Look, don't get me wrong. The views were okay. However, I just find it unacceptable that in this day and age, um, Wi-Fi was not existent. And I had lots of good pictures but was unable to Snapchat them. They were amazed at Jesus. And, and then they weren't amazed anymore. Couldn't see what all the fuss is about. Dragged here by the missus when I should have been playing golf. It's just a hole in the ground. Isn't that what golf is? Walking from hole in the ground to hole in the ground? Satan's work in our life, Max Mercado says, is to take what is most precious to us and make it appear common. And they were amazed. You ever been amazed by Jesus? I mean, did the words that he's spoken to your life, I love you, I die for you, I give you hope, I give you new life. Have you been amazed at Jesus? Jesus, I'll follow you. Jesus, I'll make you Lord of my life. Jesus, wherever you lead, I'll go with you there. You ever been amazed with Jesus? and then you weren't anymore? That's what these people did. I mean, they heard the words, and they were amazed. They knew, it says, they knew about the miracles, verse 54. Wisdom, miraculous power, they knew everything. But then this corrosive thing starts to happen, verse 55. Well, he's a carpenter, and a carpenter's son, and we know his mom, and we know his brothers, and his sisters, and... He can't amount to anything, and they just discount him. See, this is what happens to you and I when we live in our world, and the world around us is changing and different, and we say, well, this Jesus, I know Jesus, but he's, he's gotten so old-fashioned. I mean, he just doesn't understand the world that I live in. I mean, Jesus, if you knew what I was in, you wouldn't, you'd, under, you'd be on my side, Jesus. You'd know that I really don't have to, I don't take you seriously all the time. I mean, come on, Jesus. You don't need me to follow you every day. I, I, see, it's all those phrases, all those ways that we just discount Jesus. We don't see him for who he is. 
93-year-old woman in northern France was about to move out of her house, and she had to get rid of her stuff, and she asked the appraisers to come in, and appraiser stuff, they were going to have one of those auctions out on the front lawn. She could make a little money before she moved. The appraisers come in, and they're looking around. They're seeing all the kind of stuff, and they go into the kitchen, and they see a painting on the wall in the kitchen, and they knew almost immediately what it was, and they got it off the wall. It was covered with years of gunk from kitchen work and stuff that splashed on it, and, people, and they looked at it, and, and they realized that it was a painting by Simbau. He's a painter in Italy in the 13th century and brought people out of the Byzantian period into a kind of modern that led the way for the Renaissance, and his paintings about uh, Jesus in this moment are filled with the emotions in people's face, and they're looking at the painting, and they know exactly what it was, and so they, they get it appraised, and it appraises at $26 million. And she was using it as a backsplash. They sold it in an auction. It made almost $27 million. Some Americans bought it. And before they were able to get it to America, the French government said, no, you can't have it. It's our national treasure. No, it's a backsplash. You ever taken the amazing things of God? and treated it as a backsplash, unimportant, just decoration in your life, and just treated it with contempt. Verse 57, they took offense at him. He's nothing. This is nothing. I know that you treat Jesus with contempt. Every time you sin, you treat Jesus with contempt. Because you say that you know better than him. You say you're smarter than him. That you understand what's better for you than he does. You treat him with contempt all the time. And you've just gotten so used to it. He's just the background. In 1888, a painter was looking at his window, and he saw this landscape, and he began to paint it and painted it. And then he gave it to his brother, and his brother tried to sell the painting, and it didn't sell, and nobody wanted it. And for years, it just stayed in the shop. Until 1908, when Christian Mustard bought it from Vincent van Gogh's brother. He believed Vincent van Gogh had painted it, and so he put it on his Walls, he was a Norwegian, and not long after that, the prime minister, no, no, the ambassador from France, it's always the French, the ambassador from France showed up, and he came over and he looked at the painting, and he said, this is not a real Van Gogh. This is, this is a knockoff. This is not real. And it wasn't signed and so Christian Mostard thought that he must be telling the truth, and so he took the painting and he put it up in his attic where it stayed until 1970 when he died. And when he died, they came in and somebody bought the house, and the painting went with the house. It was up in the attic, and some people went up there and they got the painting, and they got it down, and they looked at it, and they said, oh, this is amazing. This looks like a Van Gogh. 
And so they took it to the Van Gogh Museum, and they said, we found this in our attic. And the people at the Van Gogh Museum looked at it and said, oh, this is terrible. This is a knockoff. This isn't a Van Gogh. You don't have anything here. And so they took it back home, and they put it back in the attic. And in 1991, they brought it out again, and they took it to some other art experts, and they said, we really believe it's a Van Gogh. It's a Van Gogh. Certainly it's a Van Gogh. Look at it. And they made the argument, and the people, they all looked at it and said, I'm so sorry for you. It's not a Van Gogh. And they put it back in the attic in 1991. In 2013, the Van Gogh Museum displayed the painting for the first time. After five more years of research, they found a letter from Vincent Van Gogh where he describes painting that painting. It was his. It's the first major work of Van Gogh that's been found since 1923. It is priceless. It had been treated with contempt for so long that no one was willing to believe what it was. And Jesus said to him, only in their own towns and in their own homes are prophets without honor. Is Jesus honored in your home? I mean, have you been thrilled by the work and the power and the love and the beauty of Jesus to the point that it has permeates your every single day? Is he honored in your home? Or is he treated with contempt? He's secondary. He's when you get around to it, when it's convenient. One author who wrote about this passage says, we no longer shiver at the thought of hell and no longer smile at the thought of heaven. We just treat it as ordinary. And it says that when you get in that space, what happens, and Jesus did not do many miracles there because of their lack of faith. It wasn't his lack of power. He could have done things. They didn't want him to do anything. They didn't want Jesus in their life. They didn't want to see the miracles that he could do. They had grown cold and distant and sealed off. And they expected Jesus to act a certain way, and they weren't ready to let him create a revolution in them. Are you willing to be amazed at Jesus again? To fall in love with him again? To tell other people about him because you're so in love with him? To modify your behavior because you know he thinks the best of you? Jesus comes to his hometown. They decide no. And he doesn't come back, according to the text. He's never back there again. They just missed out. And I'm fearful for some of you that you're missing out. Because Jesus, he wants to amaze you today.